Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bad Batch Episode 2 Spoiler Review. I think the episode was called Cut and Run. My name is Joe Fricky. I'm with Tristan Meyer. Uh, I thought this was a pretty solid episode. You know, not quite as good as the first, but it's hard to compete 30 minutes versus 70 minutes. Uh, Tristan, what were your thoughts? Yeah, similar feelings to you. Obviously, it's a step down from the really good premiere that was much bigger in scale and bigger in length, but I thought this was a pretty solid episode. It felt very much like a standard episode probably is going to feel like go to a planet, they have an adventure, they leave kind of thing. Yeah. So I had a good time with it. I hope that if this is the quality we can expect from these episodic episodes, they're just kind of standalone stories. I'm really excited because if this is the low, then I feel like we've got some pretty good highs coming. For sure, for sure. Uh, one of the things I remember saying last week was uh, we wouldn't really know until like episode three or four if this show is going to have more of like a rebel structure or Clone Wars structure. And I'm already pretty confident in saying the show is more of a rebel structure i don't really feel like we're in the middle of an arc maybe if we get rid of omega by like episode four or five then it's like okay this is the omega arc but i i highly highly doubt that but yeah i would say, I would say uh, we are not in the middle of an omega arc so i think this is gonna be more of a rebels format which i think i prefer i think i like that that pathway more especially for this show because clone wars had the ability to jump around to different characters where Rebels more followed one squad. And since we're following one squad, I think that's the way to go. Yeah, I also want to give us points, both of us, for predicting that they're going to show Cutter. I think we both yeah. called that. For once, yeah. we had a prediction, right? I think at least I've been wrong in like practically everything I've predicted on these uh, episode reviews. But it was fun to have one that I at least got organically and it was correct about. Yeah, I, I won't hardly count myself just because I knew the next episode was called Cut and Run. And I feel like that kind of gave it away. Uh, I have no idea what next week's episode is called, so... But there wasn't really a teaser. This is one, I know you have a big prediction. We'll tease that moving forward, that you have a big prediction for the end of the episode. I really don't have any major predictions going forward. I know last week I also predicted that Maul might be a big thing in this show because the series opened with, you know, uh, Clone Wars in the red font, which was always the Maul episodes, and then Aftermath was also in red font, but then when the Clone Wars logo, or logo burned away uh, to reveal the Bad Batch, it was like a red font in this episode, but in this episode, there was no Clone Wars font, and the, and the uh, episode logo was gray, so I don't know if maybe they just had the red logo because the last time Clone Wars was on, I had a red logo, so maybe that's why. Maybe Maul will never be in the series, <laughs> but... So my... After last week's episode, I said 100%, I would be would have said 100% certainty Maul will appear in Season 1 of Bad Batch and will play a major role. Now I'm at the point where I'm like, Maul is probably maybe going to be more... If Maul is in this series, he's going to be like a tease at the end of the first season. Yeah, I'm I'm seeing Maul in this series similarly to how he was in Clone Wars and Rebels, where he's he's that lingering presence in your mind. You know he's coming eventually. When when is he gonna come? And by season three or so, you finally get that reveal. Oh, here he is. He's in the show. He's gonna come back. He's gonna do something cool. And I I think that's what we're gonna get for him here. We're probably gonna focus on some of these Empire villains in these first couple of seasons and get to a bit more of the bigger stuff later on. I. And you mentioned you teased my prediction, and I don't want to reveal it now, but I do think that I don't want to brag or anything, Joe, but I do think that this is probably like a big prediction for not just where this show is going to go with Omega, but how that is going to kind of tie into the whole direction that Star Wars seems to be going in these TV shows, whether it's Mandalorian, maybe even the Ahsoka show, and a lot of the stuff that's been seeming to be set up between this and and what I hope Dave Filoni can do with these TV shows. That's all I'm going to say now. But I'm excited to talk about the episode. All right, cool, cool. Yeah, I do have one very minor prediction. But uh, before we get to predictions, we've talked enough about predictions. And I also want to tease, there's a conversation we're going to have after the episode. I came up with the idea this morning that every time we review The Bad Batch, we want to have like a Star Wars conversation uh, towards the episode that kind of ties into maybe the previous episode of The Bad Batch or the current episode of The Bad Batch. And last week's episode, because of Bad Batch opening with Order 66 and Order 6 being in Order 66 being in Revenge of the Sith, and also in Clone Wars, it kind of messes with like the viewing order of what order should you watch these movies and shows in. And so that's a conversation, just a like quick conversation me and Tristan are going to have uh, at the end of the episode after we're done discussing Bad Batch. So that's kind of the teaser for that. 
Uh, Tristan, let's kick it off. You got the. I assume you have the play-by-play notes here. I have some notes. I didn't quite go through the play-by-play, but I did write down some really good, uh, some of my emotional feelings <laughs> as I was going through the episode and some of the moments that stuck out to me. And you mentioned the logo. I think it's our first time seeing like what I assume is going to be the Bad Batch intro for the rest of the at least this season. It's not it doesn't have as much of the fanfare as the Clone Wars. Just kind of like a boom pop logo, and that's it. Do you have any thoughts on the on the intro at all and the the music for it? Uh, not really on the music or the intro. No, I I do have one thing I just wanted to bring up when we get to a little bit of one of the creatures that I like that they brought back. Yeah, I want to talk about that too. And this opening scene here, I, I'm you mentioned we're looking for what the format's going to be. Is it going to be something like Clone Wars or something like Rebels? And I think from the first scene, you kind of got the going more for the Rebels. You don't have that narrator coming in, giving you the play-by-play, throwing you into the middle of the action and saying, oh, let's catch you up along the way and see what's going on. You pretty much pick up from where you left off in the last episode. And I think the structure pretty much stuck out for me the most in this episode, yeah. just the way it you get in there and you get out. You know, the, the plot's finished and it's solved and the characters have their moments moving forward to talk about, like, Omega's arc moving forward with Hunter and what uh, bringing cut cut back has uh, really taught them about not just being a clone, but being like a parent and being part of a family. I think those are interesting things we can talk about. But yeah, I really enjoyed this, uh, just the beginning here. Uh, I want to, I didn't write down quite the notes I normally do. I have a couple of thoughts here as they arrive and return to this planet. We've seen it before. I know me and you both rewatched the Clone Wars episode where they set this up. But uh, this is a, a character that we've previously seen yep. in Clone Wars who's pretty much a clone who abandoned his post and is now living alone on this planet with his family. And he's back. His kids are grown up a little bit. We saw them as young kids in Clone Wars. And now they're a bit older. And uh, the the war has finally come to them and they got to get off the planet. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. One of the things I wanted to talk about was um, the kids because essentially in the first one in the first time his kids appear in that clone wars episode uh uh i believe it's called the deserter season two episode 10 they have like pale faces and they're supposed to be um human and twi'lek hybrids essentially and uh pablo hidalgo said on twitter that yes they are hybrids but they aren't Cut's kids because obviously Cut hasn't been around around long enough to have, you know, like seven and ten year old kids, um, or however old they were little kids, however old they're supposed to be. But then you cut to this episode and like they don't have the pale faces and they look pure Twi'lek. So part of me wonders if they kind of went back on that and now there's they were always supposed to be pure Twi'lek and just kind of ignore the fact that they had like pale splotches on their faces. Because you look at like Jason Sindula in the finale of Rebels, who looks nothing like that they looked. So maybe they're just trying to be like, okay, they're just pure Twilight. Ignore the fact that they're had weird faces because they didn't have that this episode. Yeah, if we've learned anything in the first two episodes of the show, it's that it's canon until it's not canon. You know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it counts until the writers decide yeah. let's not do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. So that might be one of those things where they're like, actually, never mind. Let's just go with the easy answer and make them just Twilight. Yeah, because I think if I if I had my guess, I would say originally when they wrote the episode, they were supposed to be Cut's kids. But then they thought about it and they were like, wait a minute, if they're Cut's kids, at most they would be like a year and a half years old. So, okay, never mind. They're still hybrids, but they're somebody else's kids. And then they probably thought that's too complicated. They never explicitly said in the episode that they're, you know, half Twi'lek, half human. So moving forward, they're just full Twi'lek. Oh, yeah, I don't mind that. <laughs> I think yeah. it was cool to see them again. They didn't look quite the same, but I recognize yeah. that it was them and they were a bit older and yeah. looked a lot better than the PS2 graphics they got in that season yeah. two episode. Yeah, it was far better. <laughs> Shocking when you go back and watch some of those old episodes compared to what we get now. Even this yeah. episode, I thought the animation was a bit small, bit of a step down from the first episode and quality yeah. wise, but yeah. it still looked great. And, you know, they had yeah. some pretty good action scenes and really good detail shots in the characters. I, I want to mention the scene too where Omega uh, just casually mentions like, oh yeah, you guys had that inhibitor chip? <laughs> like, yeah. There's all this secrecy around the inhibitor yeah. chip and like all this build of what's happening, what's Order 66, what's going on, how are the clones doing this? And then 
Omega just like, oh yeah, probably uh, probably that inhibitor chip there that you guys got, yeah. and then that's that's all you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that Omega and uh, Tack seem to know more than everyone else in this series. Like Tack just assumes everyone is as smart as him, and then when they're not, he's just like, oh, you didn't know? Well, okay then. Yeah, and Omega, that's Johnny. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then Omega is uh, obviously because she like was on Camino the whole time. And it was super close to the doctors at on Camino. She knows is obviously going to absorb more than just the clones. Kind of they're doing their training and stuff. So yeah, Omega has a bit of an arc in this episode where essentially at this point uh, Hunter has decided that he's going to leave Omega with the family. He doesn't tell her this yet, but he's decided that's his plan. He's going to leave her with this clone that he knows can be fatherly and raise her as a kid and not bring her into these combat scenarios. And, uh, yeah, that's definitely the arc at the end of the episode, which is interesting too. That's definitely an original plot line that I've never seen <laughs> in a star Wars project before. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I was groaning a bit when they introduced that. I was like, Oh God, are we going to have like a whole season of them being like, you can't come with us. And then she somehow gets back on the ship like every other episode. I'm, I'm a bit happy that it seems at least so, like by the end of this one episode, we've already solved the problem. Like he's already like, okay, you're one of us. Like we're not going to have next episode them fighting over this exact same problem again and again and again. Yeah, I think they kind of were like speed ran the plot line of the Mandalorian of like she's just with them now and they're not going to try to get rid of her again and that's just how it is. I, I was initially hesitant that I was like, okay, is this just going to be like uh, the Mandalorian but with four guys instead of one and I think I think what this show more is going to be too is because the Mandalorian obviously has money built up from jobs he's pulled in the past and other things where I feel like these guys have no money and there's even stuff in the trailer of them having to work to be mercenaries. So I think part of the show is going to be them pulling jobs, trying to make money while also looking after her. It's going to be, I would argue that this show is going to be more like three men and a baby, but just four <laughs> men and a little, you know, Mandalorian shit or clone chick. Four men and a force of clone. Yeah. Than for yeah, than just the Mandalorian. I feel like that's more what it would be similar to. Yeah, this is giving me vibes almost of Rogue One. Like it's these people who have to exist on the edge of society, and they're kind of going in and out of the morality. You know, like yeah. what Cassian Andor kind of pro- acts like the rebellion is in that movie. He says like, "Oh, I had to do this since I was ten years old or whatever." Six years I had old. To, yeah, I had to break the law. I had to work yeah. against. And we get this promise of like, "Oh, the the rebels and the good guys had to do some bad stuff too," but we don't usually get that yeah. delivered on like it's just like talked about but we don't actually see that happening so i wonder how much they're gonna have of that like this growing rebellion isn't quite the good guys that we know them as you know yeah yeah another thing to jump back to i'm sad we missed rex by a day i'm curious did, if that, the little tease. i'm curious if that means we'll run into him soon or if that's just kind of like a little drop of like oh just for any rex fans out there that's where rex immediately went after order 66 I definitely hope that every planet they go to, they're like, oh, you missed Rex. He was just here, you know. He was yeah. here, like, just a day ago, you know. Yeah. What a chance. Yeah. Reminds me funny. of Kingdom Hearts or something. They're like, oh, yeah, Riku was there a second ago. You guys yeah. just missed him. You know, <laughs> they'll find you him eventually. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, we get from there to... I thought this was interesting when we get the cut. His name is Cut or is it Cutter? Cut. Cut and the clones are and Hunter are now walking through this kind of taken over version of the city now. Like what we've seen, what we saw in Clone Wars was the them before this new empire. And it's it's yeah. like somewhat dystopian. Like the empire has they introduce I don't remember what they're called off the top of my head, but some kind of code they use to qualify people. Oh, the chain code. The chain code, yeah, and that's something that was mentioned in Mandalorian and a couple of other yeah. things that. Now we see like the beginnings of that here. And I, I really like the stark difference with this between this and what we get in like Clone Wars era Star Wars. It's very much a bleak. You feel you feel like you step yeah. from the prequels into the kind of original trilogy era. Yeah, it definitely this felt almost a lot more like a Rebels episode than a Clone Wars episode because mm-hmm. the tone and everything. But also it kind of, to me, this shows like Palpatine had a plan like this is at most like two weeks after Order 66 and he's already like uniforms are doled out you know chain codes are you know put into place he's got the barricades you know it's it's ready to go yeah he had this shit lined up he knew exactly what he wanted to do as soon as he took over 
Yeah, I felt that too. And I, there was a moment where I was like, well, they got up pretty quick. I don't know if I buy this. But then I thought like, well, the whole prequels are essentially people saying like, oh, you know, there's problems, but we'll get through it. Or like, he's sure he's maybe taking too much power, but you know, he's got yeah. to, there's a, there's a war going on or whatever. And then this is the point where like they've hit that tipping point. Now there's no going back. Now he can do practically whatever he wants and there's nothing really to stop him. Like yeah. he's been ready for this. And I really liked that. I like that Palpatine is this looming presence and the empire is very much this threat. You're not getting this gradual decay from the clone era into the empire. Yeah. You're just going from one to the other and there's nothing you can do to stop it really. Yeah. Yeah. I was really, I, I really like when they kind of, slice in a little bit of politics for Star Wars here and there. And I think I thought it worked really well. It fit with the plot of the episode and everything about it made sense of like, okay, he couldn't, he, they couldn't just ride with the bad batch because the bad batch were potentially wanted and he didn't want to risk that. And then it made like everything about the plot just fit with me and made sense and fit with the politics. And I, I liked it. And I wanted to let you know, I don't know if you knew this, but D. Barely Breaker is actually in this in this episode. He plays... Oh, they, they brought... Because he, he voiced Cut in the original, didn't he? So they brought him back to... Yeah, he comes back again. and does Cut again, which is... That's, I didn't... <laughs> that's incredible. Like, I'm Star glad Wars they... always bringing those legacy actors back, you know? I'm glad they could pull that off with... I'm, Dave, <laughs> Dave Filoni's a fucking legend to be able to pull a move like that. Bring D. Bradley Baker up. D. Bradley Baker, who... I can't. Who would have thought they would have got the guy in a voice cut to come back? I know he really never wants to be in these Star Wars shows, and they finally got him to come into one episode. Yeah. So I'm really cool. Yeah. I'm surprised. I, I'm surprised they didn't just uh, use the guy that voices Rex to come back because they sound <laughs> so similar. But you know, he'll come back when they do the Rex episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But one thing I do think was interesting is like in that scene where Cut and the gang are kind of walking, you can even close your eyes, and even though it's the same actor you can hear the differences in the characters. Yeah. Like you can tell who's talking when, like there was a moment when I was rewatching it and I was taking notes and I could, I could tell like, okay, cuts talking now, Hunter's talking now. And you can just from the way he performs it, they're very yeah. different and distinct characters. I really think that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. He, every episode, he, they should just send him an Emmy. Like, <laughs> I don't know how that's even physically possible to just voice the same character, like the same voice in just different ways. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I wrote here, it's very surreal seeing the clones kind of behave as stormtroopers. Like you mentioned the yeah. Rebels feel, and I think we have the Rebels feel here, but it's very, it's a, it's a strange feeling to see that Rebels tone within the prequel aesthetic. You know, the clones are also there. The, the logos are also New Republic. You know, it all feels very much like the prequel era, but it's been taken over and corrupted, and I really like that aesthetic to this. Yep, yep same. Let me see what else I got in here. I started going on and on about my, my theory at this point. You know, I got half through the episode and I was like, oh my God, Omega, I know what's going on with this. But So I do, as we've been talking, I do have a few theories. So when we get to that part of the show, I will bring up some of my theories. And I do think this, uh, do you think we see Cutter again at all? I was going to ask that. I was like, was this a one-off just like Clone Wars where he was only in that one episode? Or do you think uh, he'll be back in my... I think he'll be back at some point. I think he'll be back for like maybe an episode or two in season two. I don't think he's going to be back of like, okay, he's going to appear in this episode. And then episode eight, you find out his family died and now he's just part of the Bad Batch or anything like that. I think there'll be a point where like they need help and they call cut or they go to cut and he helps them again. But I, I think he'll be back. Coming into the episode, I was thinking like, oh, maybe since Crosshair or uh, Cross, whatever his name is, <laughs> The sniper guy went rogue, and now he's bad. He works for the Empire, and now they're down a guy in the Bad Batch. I thought, oh, maybe they're going to cut because he's, for some reason or another, going to come back to the life of the war and join them in the Bad Batch. I thought that could be the direction they go, but as soon as they introduced the family and everything, I thought, oh, they're not going to go that way because the only way they could have done that is, like, oh, his family died off screen or something like that. They're captured by the Empire. Some kind of way to motivate him to get into the Bad Batch. But, yeah, the fact that he came and went in one episode makes me think, it's like you said, he'll show up maybe for an episode in like yeah. season three and we'll see what his family's up to then. And then yeah. maybe like later on or something in the next show, you know, whatever next yeah. animated show it is, we'll get cut again. Yeah. Maybe, maybe D. Rayler Baker will come back and voice him. Maybe this is a backdoor pilot for like a sitcom about Cut and his family. Yep, they're just on the run. They're like, God, every time we go to a distant planet, the Empire and these clones just show up. Yeah. What yeah. are we doing? We're picking the wrong planets. Yeah, and to bring back what I was... They have a like... Uh, every sitcom has to have a pet 
And so they have one of the Nexu, which is like that weird cat opossum lizard thing from Attack of the Clones that was also in this episode. So that's like their family pet. They have a baby Nexu that rides with them. I thought that was really cool seeing that car- that uh, monster back. I love yeah. some of the creatures in Attack of the Clones, oh, especially yeah. from that like gladiator kind of scene. That whole like Geonosis yeah. sequence at the end of Attack of the Clones is one of those things where like it's not good when I watched it, <laughs> yeah. but then when you watch it with the context of Clone Wars and you've seen so many of these things over and over again and all these characters, mm-hmm. it it improves that last act of Attack of the Clones. So I'm excited yeah. to see stuff like that connect. For sure. Yeah, I definitely like all those little connections. That's the thing I want these shows to do is be like, oh, here's a minor character from this. They're going to be a minor character in that. I don't want it to always be like, obviously there were episode of Rebels where like Leia was there and Lando was there, but I love just trying to think timeline wise. Like I love there to be an episode where they go to like just some random planet. And that's like, oh, remember that? weird episode of the clone wars where they also went to that random planet well here's that same guy that you barely remember you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. i don't need an episode where they hang out with r2d2 and c3po yeah i like how they've been doing it like i said with the Tarkin thing last week it's like when they have the space for it it's cool to bring stuff in like sure they could have gone to any like off rogue clone they knew or any connection they had from the past but rather than making up a new connection from the past they're like okay let's bring back and one we've already done and see what they've been up to and those little tiny connections yeah. where you, you don't have to watch the season two episode, whatever, to understand this yeah. episode. All you have to know is, oh, it's a rogue clone they knew from before. You don't have to follow that plot to follow this, which I think is really interesting, too, and really yeah. important when you do these connective stuff, especially, like, so many yeah. years later. Yeah, like, I've seen, because I rewatched that episode again today, and I've seen it a few times before, but, like, when they were talking to him, I was like, wait, is there, like, a way that, like, the Bad Batch was actually in that episode? Because they were talking to him, like, they knew him and they were friends with him. And, like, obviously when I went back and watched I'm like, no, they weren't, like, in this episode at all. The only clone that ever interacted with them really was, like, Rex. And so, obviously, at some point or another, they must have come across him themselves, so. Yeah, that's the one thing where it's like you have 20 minutes to tell a story, you know, and it's like maybe if there was a 40-minute episode like last week, they could have a couple scenes laid on, but they had to pretty much go from like, okay, they're meeting this guy for the first time and now they're friends, you know? Well, I mean, no, I think the way like this episode went is like they've met him before, like they've been they hmm. met him and were friends with him from before. Like, cause he's Hunter says something to his wife of like, Oh, I forgot how good of a shot you were and stuff like that. Where I'm like, Oh, okay. They, they know each other from before the war or from before like this episode. And so, uh, it's an interesting choice. He's not doing a very good job hiding. Yeah. And one of the things that I thought, like, I'm glad they did it this way because if they ran across him for the first time and then they had to have all of the same conversations that Rex had with him about, like, okay, why did you desert? Oh, you did mm-hmm. it because of this? Oh, well, you, you're a deserter, but I get it, and now I trust you and stuff like that. We, we, we didn't need it. So just be like, hey, the war was, like, four years or three years long. At some point or another, the Bad Batch came across him as well. Fine. That's cool. Yeah, at this point, the Bad Batch, like they said, we're also uh... – rogues something like that he mentioned yeah. like sure they're they're abandoned their post but so did yeah. we at that point so yeah. i think yeah. they even if they did not know him that well or they just knew him yeah. once or heard stories it's like okay what do we have that is different than him yeah. you know we, we both gave up on the war yeah. because of our moral differences yeah, and like obviously the bad batch clearly doesn't play by the rules and doesn't exactly do what they were told so maybe cut was spotted by somebody and was reported as a deserter to the republic and palpatine obviously didn't want clones to start deserting left and right they sent the bad batch to go kill cut bad batch meets up with him realizes he's kind of a cool dude and tells the republic yeah we killed him and that's yeah we, we we killed him we definitely got him no we killed kanan also we killed all the jedi really yeah we, we Obi-Wan killed a bunch definitely of dead we got yeah. that guy for yeah. sure <laughs> We have a scene also here. I don't know where exactly it laid out in the plot of the episode where uh, Omega has that uh, necklace, that that type that head of jewelry thing. Yeah, type it was like the that head thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, the headband thing. <laughs> and it's connected to her and her past on Kamino and who she was raised by or created by. And she takes it off and it's this kind of like emotional moment for yeah. her of letting go of that past. I wonder if you have any thoughts on that scene and what that might yeah. mean for her as a character. Yeah, I didn't really understand what was going on in that scene. I thought she was just, like, looking at it, and then she would put it back on, and then she didn't. So I was just kind of generally confused, but I just let it go. 
I didn't, I, I didn't really know what they were trying to say there, I'll be honest. I was just like, oh, I guess... Because, like, originally I thought she was going to take it off, look at it, kind of reflect on Camino or whatever, and then put it back on. But then she didn't put it back on, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was hoping you'd have a take on that, because I was also a little bit <laughs> confused on what they were going for. But I, yeah. my reading of it was what I pretty much said there, is that I think that it was her letting go of her past on Camino. Yeah. And even though she doesn't like being in that kind of limited environment, she still has this emotional connection to essentially her parents that raised her, you know, and it was her saying goodbye to people she cared about, but also this moment of letting go of what she didn't love about that past and moving on Mm -hmm. forward. Because I thought this episode as a whole was definitely about her becoming part of the Bad Batch, not just being accepted by them, but like accepting her place among them as well. So I think... We cover a lot of ground in their relationships in this episode. Like I said, in, in, a, in a worse show, it would be like an entire season worth of drama where she's not supposed yeah. to be there and she keeps sticking around and she keeps coming back and yeah. they're fighting all the time. About, oh, you're just a kid. You shouldn't be yeah. doing this. And it seems like that's not what they're going to be doing. And I hope that's not what no. they're doing. No, they've already shown like in ways that she's proving her worth. Because at the end of the day, she is one of them. She is a clone. Like She is engineered to be like a top combat person. Yeah, and we've seen in trailers, I think, that she's been in more, in more combat uh, scenes yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. So she's exactly. going to have an action role, so I'm really excited to see that for her, too. Yeah, because she had that shot, like, she shot that guy uh, towards the end of the last episode, and then she ran the chain codes back in this episode. Like, So, like, anyone on that team that's like, oh, you shouldn't be here because you can't do it, it's like, did you, have you watched her so far? Because she seems to be capable. Obviously, yeah, I'm liking be like her a, character a lot. Obviously, you could be like, oh, it's dangerous for a kid or like, oh, like, you know, like you shouldn't have this life. You should be a kid. I could understand that. Tape. But if they're like, oh, we don't trust you. It's like, oh, watch the sh- watch, watch your own show if you don't trust her, I guess. Yeah, I'm liking your character a lot. I have yeah. more to talk about with her later, but I yeah. think that she's a really promising and interesting yeah. character. A lot more than I thought that she would be just from like, oh, they're going to have this like little girl along with her. It's going to be like a Grogu too. Yeah. Or it's going to be like the chopper type character that's just there for the kid humor. No, we know so far, char- she's definitely not that. No, we know what character is there for the kid humor, and it's the A-plus best character on the show, and that's Wrecker, who had a great scene in this episode when Tech was trying to disable the like lock on their vehicle i can't even remember what it was and like he's doing typing a whole bunch of shit and record just rips it off i'm like Fuck <laughs> that's my boy record i'm record's my guy record is a great character i think all of these characters are really fun to hang out like there's people that i'm like i can see yeah, these yeah. guys interacting with each other i can see yeah. their unique personalities all shining and every episode they at least have like one or two moments where it's like oh that's their moment for the episode that's their they're like you said Ooh. even Oh, uh, even Omega has a vital role in the plot. Everybody yeah. seems like they're there for a reason and they yeah. need to be there on the team. Yeah. And, like, I, I, this isn't even speculation. This is, like, confirming what we should already know. I think people are just dumb. I've seen people online try to figure out, like, who Omega is. And to me, it's, like, I mean, maybe there's more to it, but she's very clearly just, like, a female Django fat clone, right? Because I've seen people online being like, oh, look at her hairstyle. She's and maybe I'm stepping on your prediction, but I've seen people <laughs> online speculating, oh, she's like a female Palpatine clone. And I'm like, they specifically gave her a Kiwi accent on purpose. Like, to they me, that... They gave it to her for a reason, but it might be to throw you off a little bit. But mm-hmm. I don't I don't know about the Palpatine clone thing. I mean, I heard about it, but I think that's a bit to of me, a stretch. To me, I think the whole, like, if you look at actuality, the clones should not have a Kiwi accent they should talk like the Kaminoans. like they were never around Django fat accents aren't like inherited like ac- accents don't come through your dna it comes through like who you're around you know so like they should all talk like the Kaminoans because that's the people that they heard talk and that's who they were around but it's a fantasy movie and it's like oh they're clones of Django fat so they sound like Django <laughs> fat she's a clone of Django fat so she has a kiwi accent like yeah, we'll see about that, Joe. We'll see about uh, the clone clone theory on here. I think she has a very big role to play in the story, and I think uh, she connects to a lot of stuff that's been going on, uh, whether it's in Mandalorian or whether it's even in like Rise of Skywalker. I think she right. sets some stuff up. All right. But uh, like you mentioned earlier, uh, there's this arc, this episode where Hunter is debating on leaving her, and she finds out towards the end of the episode here 
and they have this big final shootout, a nice, cool, classic, like, Rebel-style action scene. It felt like that. Oh, you got to get back to the ship in time. Here come the stormtroopers, essentially. And I was pretty shocked to see that at this point, they're just, like, straight up killing all the clones. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, are they going to, like, have mercy on their brothers? Because they know that they're possessed by these chips, essentially. But at this point, they're just like, oh, no, you shot at us, folks. So we're just shooting at you guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, I... Especially on Disney show, I'm like, okay, they're gonna have the characters kill, or they're gonna have those, okay, somehow yeah. they're still alive type things like Batman logic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know they're not afraid to kill. If they're gonna kill people on Disney XD like they did with Kanan, spoiler alert. I feel like, to me, I especially with an ensemble show like this, I could fully see like Tech dying in the season one finale. Like that's not that big of a shock to me, especially because we'll get to my predictions later, but. I could see that as an option. I don't. I think Connor has plot armor. I think Omega has plot armor. But outside of that, I could see any of the other of the Bad Batch. I guess that just leaves Tech and Echo and Wrecker. I could see any of those three dying at any point because Hunter yeah. is clearly like the lead lead of the show. Yeah, and especially as we get further along and we start introducing more and more characters, they could bring in some stuff that could fill the void. So if we get another kind of like techie type character who can be the smart guy, who can be the yeah. the computer guy, they can maybe come in and fill that role. Yeah, like Echo. I mean, Echo could easily just become the computer guy. Mm-hmm. Echo has that data from Star Trek, yeah. like the robot kind of look, you know? Yeah, yeah. So what... Uh, we skipped kind of their whole heist fiasco here i didn't write down quite the notes for that because it just felt like a mcguffin clone wars yeah. kind of plot but yeah. <laughs> did yeah, you have any thoughts on their whole heist here in the middle of the episode uh i mean i thought it was fun i like a good heist movie or a heist show so i thought I, I thought it was fun i think it was just a little bit to show off each of their abilities but you know like oh you got to do this to do this and especially when it's science you get to make up it's not quite as like fun or interesting as like a real mm-hmm. world like mission impossible type thing when it's like when you can make up how chain coats work to even be like okay we got to do this and then pull this blank disc to do that and it's like okay that's fun i guess but and i liked in this too uh like you said they can just kind of make up their own heist logic and stuff like that so yeah. it's it's sort of like you're not following the physical yeah. reality yeah. of yeah. like real world so it didn't quite feel like a heist but it felt fun and i liked their thing their their idea of oh we're going to impound our own ship that kind yeah. of like trick and then of course there's a oh she's in this ship of still and yeah. i thought like oh you guys really didn't think for like a second like oh maybe we should like check the ship <laughs> before yeah. we like impound it make sure nobody's yeah. in there make sure there's nothing we need you know grab our grab our water bottles and get ready for the trip but they're yeah. just like no no just impound it like yeah, haven't these people ever run an insurance game before? It's like before you burn down your house, you pull out all your jewelry and all your pictures and anything of much of value that's relatively small. Like these people, like before, if I was them and before I impounded my ship, I was like, there might be a chance we don't get this back. So uh, <laughs> let's just pull out some of the more valuable shit. Yeah, like the nine-year-old child the door carrying of. this TV right here. I'm like, yeah. okay, I got the thing I need. I'm running out of my burning house. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, that's the type of logicals that I feel yeah. like are going to be here all the time. Where it's like, well, sure, if you think about it for a few seconds, it doesn't really hold together. But it's just an animated show, you know? Yeah, to me, at the end of the day, you have to remember this. Is just, this is a show that's, like, made for 12-year-olds. But they also keep in mind that, like, 30 year olds are gonna watch it so <laughs> yeah this is a kid show that we're just essentially nerdy enough to watch because yeah. it once in a while we'll have lore that we like or characters yeah. that we yeah. like in there yeah yeah one of the thing i do wish they would show more is like hunter is supposedly supposed to have like heightened senses right i wish they would like find show or convey that somehow more because like obviously we see record beat people up and do strong st- stuff we see tech do tech stuff we see Echo also do tech stuff, I guess. We basically have two tech guys on the show, and one of them is just a cyborg. <laughs> and then uh, Hunter is just, like, the leader, but supposedly has heightened senses. Like, I'd love for there to be, like, a moment where, like, he hears something that the other clones don't or sees something that the other clones don't. But so far, we haven't really gotten any of that. He's just the leader that they say has heightened senses. Yeah, I would like to see that too, especially as they're going around these planets that could easily land in some kind of like jungle planet and he hunts down like the predator yeah. <laughs> or like he has some kind of like alien 
that he has to hunt down and we have a cool hunter episode yeah i mean he's essentially rambo and so we could have rambo versus like the predator from like the predator series that'd be awesome. that sounds incredible to me i'm waiting for that episode now you know that's they they made him look like rambo on purpose so you know there's that no way they didn't there's that thought has crossed their mind and there will definitely be an alien that is like reminiscent of the predator or reminiscent of the xenomorph and they're definitely going to give us Rambo versus Boba Fett or something like that. Like, yeah. I, you need to have that in the, yeah. in the show. Oh, yeah, because Rambo versus have, Boba Fett. Yeah, because we have young Boba Fett. He's going to be, like, what, like 16, 17 at this point? Angsty teenager Boba Fett. Yeah. I can't wait for that. Before he wrecks shop with Din Djarin. <laughs> Before he goes in the Sarlacc pit. The epic heel turn of Boba Fett. He just... If J.J. Abrams was writing this episode, writing this show... 17-year-old Boba Fett would walk by a Sarlacc pit and be like, wow, hopefully I don't ever end up in one of those, and then just turn to the camera. Yep. Well, that's basically the episode. I don't know how much else we have to talk about in the plot. Yeah, we have our predictions. I mean, we kind of went through the entire plot. Obviously, the show ends with, surprise, Omega still with the team, and I think to me, this was like a speed run of like the first season (laughs) and a half of The Mandalorian, of just like hey, Omega's going to be with them now and they're not going to ditch her, which I think is one of the benefits of them being able to communicate with each other, which obviously the Mandalorian doesn't have because Grogu can't talk, but I feel like with Omega being able to be like, hey, I want to be with you guys. I don't want to be with some random guy I just met and random family. It's easier to just speed up that plot line. Yeah, I like that. I hope that she, I like that she'll just be part of the team now. I don't need like my biggest frustration of Mandalorian sometimes is like, okay, I feel like <laughs> I'm tired of this Baby Yoda plotline, and like we've had two entire seasons of of trying to find yeah. them a place among the among the characters, and Omega from the second episode, yeah. she has her place, and I'm excited yeah. to see what that's going to be now that she can grow in that role. Yeah. And so, time for predictions. You have probably the more bigger prediction, where mine are small. Um, my first one is the guy that talks about the chain codes and the hologram. Um, my prediction is that is going to be revealed. I mean, I don't know how much revealed to be, but I think that's Admiral Rampart, who I believe will be the big villain of the series. Uh, I like that, that. I'm ready to see the big villain come in because I want to see who their big uh, like overarching villain is going to be because it's yeah. not going to be Tarkin. I don't think you mentioned that guy. So I think that'll be him. Yeah, I wonder I mean, how much we're going to get of the legacy characters like Tarkin. Yeah, I think Tarkin's one of those guys that's like in the season premiere and the season finale, and that's kind of it. Maybe appears one time in the middle. Like he, he like we'll see the first time we see Admiral uh, Rampart in person, like assigned to go look for the Bad Bash. It'll be like Tarkin who assigns him, and then we won't see him until like the finale again or something. But yeah, I fully believe that's Admiral Rampart. He looks like an animated version of the Hot Toy figure. Uh, and that'd be the perfect place to like drop a tease of like who this is who your villain's gonna be. And then my second prediction is I originally said like Maul is the big bad and like them trying to take down Maul is gonna be the big storyline of the first season but now that i'm less certain that maul's even in this series based on the previous episode of what we've actually seen and not my prediction i think the uh overall plot line of this season or maybe the series as a whole is gonna be the clone uprising against the empire and then the clones just getting fucking destroyed and camino probably getting wiped off the map of the galaxy yeah, that's exactly what I think this is going to be going for. That does lead into my uh, theory here a bit because that's high into what I expect is going to be the end of Camino throughout this episode, uh, this series. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that's when Cut comes back to like rejoin the clones to fight against the Empire. That would be a badass thing. I, I really do think that'll be an exciting and powerful. Yeah kind of yeah. ending to the series I, I hope he doesn't die though i hope it's like they lost and he's him and like the bad batch are like the last survivors unless the bad batch unless that's what the series story is and then he dies um uh you know with them but i kind of hope he doesn't die he he obviously has a shorter lifespan in general like he's not going to be in these kids lives very long we already see he has that gray patch of hair so 
he's going to be alive for what, maybe like 5, 10, 15 more years? Yeah, and depending on what happens with these clones, if, yeah. if, if, if he lives a natural life, yeah, 10 to 15. But I, I don't know yeah. what's the future of the clones even going to uh, be because we don't yeah. see much of them outside of the few that come back in Rebels. And then my final prediction, because I don't... I, like, Crosshair, to me, is not, like, the big villain of this series. So I think part of the path of this series, and maybe this is the season finale, is them... Because we've, like, dropped hints of the inhibitor chip, but, like, none of them have it, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, them learning about it doesn't matter. So, eventually, they do have to meet Rex. They've dropped that tease already. Rex can tell them everything they need to know about the inhibitor chip because he's had his removed. So, I think he's going to tell them about the inhibitor chip, and I think at some point they're going to remove it from Crosshair, and Crosshair is going to return to the Bad Batch. I think that's a good bet. I know I predicted last episode that he's going to get killed by the end of the season, so I definitely think they at least go one direction or the other. (laughs) I think Crosshair maybe is a big bad for, or at least maybe like a secondary bad for the first season compared to this Imperial guy. Maybe he's like the muscle of this Imperial guy. And then by the end of the first season, either I I agree with you, he's either redeemed, your theory, or I think he's dead, my theory. I wouldn't even say redeemed because it's basically like mind control. Like if they take the inhibitor chip and he's like, I'm sorry, guys. Like I I don't know what came over me, blah, blah, blah. I don't think he has to like earn his way back into the group. I feel like it's like we got our boy back and that's kind of it. Yep. Star Wars logic. You do one good thing and then you just good. Well, I mean, (laughs) if he, it's not like he had a choice. It's still mind control, I think. It's true. It's true. Uh, but I want to hear your prediction before we move on to our conversation about the order to watch Star Wars in. So Omega has got my mind running a lot the last two episodes. Um, I think I tell. I, I'm really curious where, what her character direction is going to be. Because like I said in the premiere, I've always connected to like the lore and the force and the kind of mystical sides of Star Wars more than the action sides of stuff. So I'm going to enjoy the Bad Batch action because it looks really good and I like the characters, but like emotionally I'm more invested in like the the force angle of Star Wars and I think that she's going to tie into that because I do think people have been thinking she's force sensitive I think that's definitely yeah, going to be true there was a moment here that confirmed that for me I can tell you what that moment was but go for it it was when uh uh cut asked Hunter he's like oh he's like basically Hunter's like yeah she's just like she's like us she's a clone but the, you know she's a messed up cloner like a whatever whatever word he used uh and cuts like but or hunter says like she was made by accident and cuts like yeah that's not right and hunter's like why and cuts like because they don't do anything by accident and to me mm-hmm. or whatever he said however he phrased that made uh, that's the moment where i was like i will be shocked at this point if she's not force sensitive yeah and i think she was made that way on purpose because i do think camino has this technology and i think they're they didn't just create these clones to be nice to Palpatine. I think they have their own agenda with the cloning technology, and I think this yeah. is part of it. I think they're experimenting with creating Force-sensitive beings, and Palpatine, we know from Rise of Skywalker, at, is has been planning for practically this whole entire time trying to figure out immortality. What yeah. All the way back to Darth Sidious, I mean, Darth Plagueis, he, his original master who kind of taught him the value of having that power, but also being the only one who has that power. Like he, he kills Darth Plagueis because he wants to be the only one who knows of immortality, the only one who can live forever. And I think the reason Tarkin was so interested in the Bad Batch in the first place wasn't necessarily because, oh, the defective clone, that's interesting or whatever. I think it was because he's curious about how you can make those alterations to clones and still have them survive. He's curious about how you can alter DNA in that way. Yeah. still have them survive because I think Tarkin is going to be retconned into being part of this plan along the way, along with Moff Gideon, along with other kind of characters like that, where they've all been involved yeah. in Palpatine's Grandmaster plan, whether they know it or not, yeah. to find immortality. And I think Omega is going to be part of that because we did mention that I think there's going to be a siege of Kamino. We talked about that just a couple minutes ago, that I think the Empire, one way or another, is going to take down Kamino. And I think part of the reason for that is that they want to destroy pretty much all evidence of cloning in the in the galaxy. You know, they don't want anybody else to have that technology other than them. So they're going to go out of the way to destroy Kamino. They're going to go out of the way to oh. steal that technology. And that leads us all the way into, like, Mandalorian and Snoke 
and the way that Palpatine has been trying to create these Force-sensitive beings uh, through cloning. I think they call them strand casters or something like yeah. that. Make up this word for them. So I think Omega is essentially going to be like the original strand cast. He's going to be the one that was created artificially out of DNA to be Force-sensitive. And that's she's going to be what leads to Snoke, what leads to ultimately Palpatine being alive again in Rise of Skywalker. I think she's going to, it's going to be kind of a launching pad into like how Pebbleteen was able to unlock immortality through cloning and through the force like that and how he was able to create Snoke. So I essentially think Omega is a precursor to Snoke and Omega was Snoke all along. <laughs> yeah. What if that is true? What if, what if Snoke was actually a woman and we just didn't notice? Yeah. You know, you were just not very 2021 of you to not notice that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I definitely think it's possible like, uh, that she is, uh, like kind of that experiment like it's definitely where i'm leaning is like she's like this clone experiment trying to make someone force sensitive because i do think palpatine we're gonna really see that the goal of a lot of these shows i think is going to be to make rise of skywalker good (laughs) and the way that the clone wars i felt like the whole entire goal of the show for every episode was like okay how do we take the prequels and enhance them and make them good and make them a bit more watchable and increase the stakes for the characters and things like that and i think now we're going to get to the point where it's like, okay, we have these very divisive sequel trilogies, and in order to go forward with the movies, we kind of have to have the fans not be, like, vitriolly angry about these movies, <laughs> you know? So maybe we need to have these TV shows go back and fix yeah. things that are shitty. Like, we're going to probably see Exegol at some point in one of these shows. and we've seen Maybe we'll see people recently. on Exegol who could have built those 10 billion fucking ships. Yeah, and I think that's all kind of stuff we're going to get introduced to as this goes yeah. along. We see these dark uh cultist kind of followers that Pebbleton's growing up, whether it's Moff Gideon, whether it's Tarkin, whether it's maybe this new Imperial guy coming in this episode, whether it's the guy from Mandalorian who is uh looking for the child. I think those are all kind oh, yeah. of that nerd, and I think yeah. it even goes back to the aftermath books and you had those hooded uh, characters who were searching after Sith artifacts and trying to yeah. find Vader's old mask and that kind of stuff. I think if they really wanted to they could do a couple of tweaks here and move some things around and red count a couple of things here and there and turn rise of Skywalker from a practically unwatchable movie into something that similarly to the prequels retroactively becomes watchable. Yeah. And what was the season one episode one of bad batch called Aftermath. Aftermath. And I do my final prediction here is that by the end of the first season, maybe Hunter gets shot or something, or maybe crosshair gets shot and they're dying and, we get a moment where Omega uses the Force Seal. We, I think they're going to try and make the Force Seal make sense, and they're going to have Omega, because of how uniquely she was created, she has some, and she has that kind of empathetic quality to her, whatever that's going to be, some kind of Force-related empathy. I think that's going to feed its way into the Force healing as well. So I think they're going to bring that in in this show in, in a way to make it not be such an asshole in Rise of Skywalker. I got, I got it. I got the, I got the final like moments of season one. So they got Crosshair. They know about everything about the inhibitor chip. They, they realize that's what made Crosshair turn on them. They kidnap Crosshair. They're trying to pull it out of him. Uh, but Admiral Rampart and and this is all while the siege of Camino is going on. They're on Camino doing it. Uh, Admiral Rampart and the stormtroopers are trying to get, or other clone troopers are trying to get into the building, trying to break it down. They go in, shots, you know, blaster bolts are going everywhere. The droid repairing uh, Crosshair gets taken out. Crosshair's, you know, vitals are going down. Uh, Omega <laughs> steps up and force heals him. I like it. I think she'll probably use it on either Hunter or Crosshair. I think it'll be, oh, she saves the leader, the main guy that is her yeah. idol, or she saves. The guy he would have been the bad yeah. guy and is part of her his like turnaround yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah, I could see either or. And I would love that. I think what I like the most about Clone Wars is that they were able to take the prequels and, and really enhance them in a lot of ways and build on the flaws without totally throwing it away. You know, they weren't like, Okay, that didn't happen. They were like, Okay, how do we take that stupid thing that happened and make it not stupid? <laughs> you know? Okay. I just had like as we were talking, I had a massive like epiphany oh, no. of no, I, I think you'll like this. So, like, one of the big complaints is people talk about how, like, where has force healing been, 
right? Like, why didn't Obi-Wan force heal Qui-Gon and stuff like that, right? Like, where has force healing been? But then we look at the Jedi as they're presented in the prequels, and they've been basically, like, devoid of emotion. All emotion is pulled out of them. And you look at the Sith, and they operate purely on emotion, right? Like, anger, hatred, blah, blah, blah. Jedi aren't allowed to love. What if, you know, you should pull on emotion? Which is kind of what the prequels are saying in fans don't get that like when they say oh raise a bad jedi because she has emotions i'm like well then you saw the prequels but you did not understand the prequels you moron um so what if like to have the power to do something like force heal you have to like do it out of like love and compassion and so that's why ray was able like she saw it in the old jedi text was able to do it to you know kylo and that one snake monster thing grogu, <laughs> grogu was able to do it to um uh griff karga and uh eventually omega will be able to do it to hunter or crosshair yeah i think that would be a good move i think and that's and like maybe and if that's what happens that's my official headcanon it's the only way you can do it is really pulling on the emotions of like love and compassion I like that idea because I do believe Sith, like you said, they're so focused on anger and rage and they're able to kind of like suck the life force out of people in a way, especially if you buy that theory that Palpatine sort of sucked the life force out of Padme and gave it to Anakin and was able to like, that's how he was able to get Anakin to barely survive that Vader-esque, that Vader becoming surgery. Yeah, and Vader was only able, like, Vader should have died from his injuries, but the only thing keeping himself alive was anger and hatred. Maul was, should have died as well, but the only thing keeping him alive was his anger and hatred for Obi-Wan. So it's like, okay, we've learned you can keep yourself from, like, dying with emotion of anger and hatred. So what if the opposite of that, of, like, anger and hatred is love, you can use that emotion to, like, heal other people. Yeah, I think that makes a lot I of sense. I just had cause... the most greatest epiphany I've ever... Like, I've never felt <laughs> smarter in my life. I really like that a lot. I like your epiphany, Joe. I think it makes sense because we've seen, even in what I was just explaining, that Palpatine has to go through all of this decades long of process yeah. just to keep himself like afloat as like a Voldemort-esque essence yeah. in Rise of Skywalker. And I think you see that that's what it takes to keep yourself alive, like selfishly using the Force against its own will. Like, that's what the Sith kind of do. They manipulate the Force and... and use it to their own will and i think that like you said doing that out of hope and love and and love for others is is what lets you heal other people which i think is really interesting too and not necessarily heal yourself but it lets you give your life force to others it's essentially the opposite of what palpatine does and we've never met um Plagueis, like, Plagueis could be a sith lord a lot more like dooku or dooku was like use the dark side but he was he was more human I guess I should say, like, he was more, like, in the middle. He was a lot like Kylo as well. Uh, where maybe he did understand that aspect, and he did could have, like, true love for people, and that's why Palpatine has that line in Revenge of the Sith of he could save others from dying, but not himself, and Palpatine probably didn't understand that. And it's because Palpatine could, like, never love anybody, so he didn't I like that. that. He didn't have that realization. Like, we could meet Plagueis, and Plagueis could be, like, just like Dooku, where it's like, yes, you are a Sith Lord, but you are kind of, you know, not a crazy person. Um, I like this direction, though. I do think that explaining Palpatine's resurrection was the biggest uh, hurdle that Rise of Skywalker had to get over. Like, okay, how in the world is Palpatine still alive? And they just pretty much don't explain it. (laughs) The thing that annoys me is, like, the first leak, I know this isn't a Rise of Skywalker review, and we're definitely going to go over like an hour talking about our conversation at the end, but I don't <laughs> like, think that'll last that long, because I didn't think we'd get an hour talking about this episode. I thought the episode review would be like 20, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, but... we also got on this Palpatine theory, and now we're going. So, the original leak that I heard like the weekend the movie came out that I thought was awesome was Palpatine died, and then he possessed, using the Force like, basically possessed his own dead body, which I thought was, like, kind of fucking badass and cool. But I guess the explanation is he possessed a clone of his body, but his clone body wasn't Force-sensitive, and so, like, it couldn't handle the power and deteriorated, and that's why it looks all decayed and gross, which I think is kind of whatever the whack. 
whack. We're like, it was whack, but I do think these shows are course correcting. And they mentioned the Mandalorian, like some kind of throwaway line when they go to that cloning facility in episode. I don't remember what it was. Siege, it was called yeah. in season two. I think it was episode oh, like four siege. or five. Yeah. And they go into that cloning facility and you, they play the Snoke music and you see this cloning uh, yeah. embryos are all kind, of, all kind of around. And they get that line where he says, like all the subjects keep decaying too quickly. And, and even in the Kylo Ren comic, Snoke is talking about how like his body is decaying too quickly and yeah. he's kind of falling apart. And I think it, that can retroactively make the publishing thing make a little bit more sense. Yeah. Like he was able to create this vessel to put himself into, but it's not lasting long enough. It's just falling apart slowly because he needs someone like Ray, who's powerful enough to yeah. hold how his like yeah. force essence, <laughs> essentially. Uh, yeah. And like, I, I don't know. Like, I just, they didn't explain it enough that, because like some people walked out of that movie thinking Palpatine just like didn't die, you know, which isn't. Because that's what I thought when I first watched it. I was like, shit, I guess Palpatine is just like alive or whatever. No, <laughs> yeah, he definitely died. It's just, oh, he's, they use Sith magic to like put his essence into another clone body, which I'm like, okay. I would have much rather preferred he was dead and possessed his own dead body because that's badass. But I think we've talked about this kind of theory enough we have i think uh yeah i'm not a big fan of pebble team being alive at all but i think these shows can maybe make that a little cooler so hopefully that's what they do yeah uh any final notes on the bad batch before we move to our final conversation about uh star wars watch order no final notes you know good episode can't wait for next week yeah good solid average episode all right so (laughs) star wars watch i'll kick off this conversation like before the show is really kicked off uh my like ideal if i for me Normally, if you've seen it before, watch it in whatever order you want. I usually, if I'm rewatching it, will rewatch it chronologically. So I like just the movies. I do like one, two, three, Solo, Rogue One, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. But with all these shows and stuff now, but if I was showing someone Star Wars for the first time, I would just start with all of the movies because I think the the shows are always going to be secondary to the movies. I don't think there's ever going to be a movie that comes out that it's like, okay, to understand this movie, you need to understand this show unless they release like a Mandalorian movie or something like that. But mm-hmm. so I would start rogue one. Cause it has modern special effects, like modern action. You know, you don't need like, obviously there's references to movies that were released before it, but nothing really big that you're like missing out on anything you need to know, like, you know, through pop culture right like who vader is and all of that mm-hmm. so i would start with row one and then obviously right after that do four five six you know watch the original trilogy the first thing people ever saw it continues off rogue one and then after that you want to show them one two and three so they can learn all about you know the rise of darth vader and the rise of the emperor and then immediately you want to show them okay what did the empire look like you show them solo and watching solo gives them an introduction of solo back before they go and learn the importance of the dice back before they watch seven, eight, nine, where the dice kind of come into play. And then that's kind of that. But my question is like, as far as the shows go, like where, where do these shows come into play? Especially with like all these shows, um, using order 66 as a plot point. Yeah. It's rough. when They start inter- interweaving like that when you get towards the end of clone wars and then you get into revenge oh. of the Sith, you get to the beginning of bad batch. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, you pause here. And then you go to the next TV next door and you watch Clone Wars and you pause here. Yeah. But that's obviously not reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how I, here are my thoughts, and I want to hear what you would think. It's like, obviously, there's like resistance. If I were to watch chronologically, you know, I would do like one, two, three, or well, I would watch one, two. I would watch all of Clone Wars except for the final arc, those final four episodes. I would then watch three, Revenge of the Sith. Then I would watch those final four Clone Wars episodes uh, because they all kind of play on that. And then I would just go straight into the Bad Batch. Interesting, because I would... I'm the type of person where I loved Clone Wars when I watched it. I go back and watch it a lot. But there's no reason to watch all of Clone Wars, I don't think, unless you're very much into Clone Wars. I think there's tons you can skip. So in my mind... There's a handful of essential episodes of Clone Wars. I won't go through all of them, but I think stuff like Mortis and stuff that sets up characters. And essentially, your goal in Clone Wars is you're going to grasp Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship. You're going to get the rise and fall of uh, Ahsoka, pretty much. You're just going to get like her arc as a character from the from the Jedi Padawan to the leaving the Order. 
And then you want to get a bit of the mall because mall, yeah. I think, is a highlight of Clone Wars. Mall, yeah. along with sort of like his relationship with Sidious, and I think all that kind of stuff really is what enhance is the golden golden era of Clone yeah. Wars. Yeah. So I think you can easily pretty much skip most of the first season. Just watch the ones that interest you, essentially, yeah. and and most of these first few seasons. And I think I think, I think you should watch as as much as people shit on the Clone Wars movie. I think you should start with the Clone Wars movie because it does introduce Ahsoka and stuff like that. I think I think that is true. I think it's hard when you're giving someone Star Wars for the first time. You're assuming like they lived a blindfolded life. They don't know who these characters are, but. Uh, so, like, if if you don't know who Soka is in any any way, I think you do kind of got to watch the Clone Wars movie. But I think you got to give them that caveat, too. Like, this is not the quality that you're in for with the rest of yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think most of the first, like, half of Clone Wars, you can skip the stuff that doesn't interest you and just watch the ones that seem cool. And essentially, you can get some cool yeah. stuff. Like, Leia Grievous isn't necessarily an important episode, but I think it introduces a really important character that shines in the Clone Wars. So stuff yeah. like that isn't a vital episode for the plot but it's one that i recommend yeah, yeah. any ep- ep- any episode with hondo and or uh cad bane you should definitely watch and once you get towards the end and it starts interweaving i'm actually on the mindset as i did it recently uh you watch the final arc you watch as you're watching clone wars so essentially you watch phantom menace attack of the clones like you would now you watch everything good in the clone wars that you want to watch you get to the final season, and that's the one where it's like, okay, these are all pretty good episodes. You might as well watch them all to get that finale yeah, to the. You especially Wars. have to watch Bad Batch now if you're doing like a complete rewatch just to be introducing them. I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch that arc before next week Friday. And when I get to that point at the end of uh, Clone Wars, where there's that flash for the epilogue sort of work jumps ahead after Revenge of the Sith, I pause there. So I've seen Order Sixty Six from that perspective, and I I pause there for the for the epilogue. I go back, I watch Friends of the Sith. <laughs> I know yeah. pausing is cheating, but the epilogue is yeah. the epilogue. Yeah. And if you really want to, you can watch it all the way through. But if I'm doing it for full effect, I pause it there so I can see the rise of Darth, the fall of Anakin, the rise yeah. of Darth Vader in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And then once you get yeah. you finally get the Order Sixty Six montage in that, I think it hits way harder when you've already seen the final arc of the Clone Wars. You've already met all these Jedi characters, so it's not just a montage. Of people dying, you've you are spend the whole movie now waiting for that to happen, and you yeah. know it's coming. The true cheating and the best way to do it, and the way I'll probably do it, is go online and find the edit someone did where they edited together the final four episodes and Revenge of the Sith into some like six hour long thing. Yeah, that's probably the best way to do it. And then I would go. I guess it's not even the final arc; it's just really the final episode that crosses over with Revenge of the Sith, right? Or am I wrong? Yeah, it's it's well because. The final arc when they mentioned like, oh, me and uh, Anakin were going to save Palpatine. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So it it's like that set up for they're just about to go to the first scene of the, of the movie, yeah. you know? So it's kind of happening in the background. Yeah. And, and then... I would go right from the epilogue where they end the Clone Wars and the title card of the Clone Wars comes up. And you go right from that to the premiere of Bad Bash. Don't even stop. Don't even hit anything else. Just go to hit play. Go right from that final image of Fader and the title card coming up to... The red card burning off says Bad Batch. You're in for the next show, right to the next show. Yeah. It feels like a great transition point. Yeah. And none of the other shows really cross over with the movies, I would think, timeline-wise. Like, uh, resist- well, Resistance does, but fucking fuck Resistance. Yeah, don't watch Resistance. Basically, but... you can watch, basically, you would watch Resistance Season 1, The Force Awakens, Resistance Season 2. I'm not going to lie to you, though. If, if someone hadn't seen Star Wars before and they were like, what do I watch? I'm I'm telling them to skip solo. I'm telling them do not watch solo, at least until you're done with stuff. Like you have to have a context of you have to give a shit about Maul. You have to see where this is going. You have to really yeah. be invested in Star Wars so I think get the most out of solo to get all those connective little moments and things like that. So I yeah. I like when they talk about killing stick away or, from solo. I don't know. You just have bad opinions. Solo <laughs> is great. Solo is fine. And, but I don't think if you're new to Star Wars, I feel like you watch that and you're like, this is like everything I didn't want yeah. Star Wars to be. Yeah. I don't know. I just and like, I'd be honest, I don't even know if I'd tell them to watch the sequels. I don't know if I'd, I think I would tell them to stick a, stay away from those for a little bit. I think, I think if you, my thing is, okay, if you've watched Rogue One, you've watched 4, 5, 6, you've watched 1, 2, and 3, and you've watched, you know, and you've gotten that far, and you're like, I've been enjoying this. I really like this. I'm a fan of what I've seen. I think that you you have to watch, at that point, they're a Star Wars fan. They have to at least watch all the movies. 
I think you watch the Clone Wars and Rebels and all that stuff before you get into the sequels because you want to. I think you want to like get all of that context and everything else, and then you go into the sequels as like this other thing because the sequels just don't really, for me, fulfill anything that the rest of it sets up. So if I got to the end of of, uh, of last... Skywalker and someone was like, "Oh, you got like ten seasons of TV to watch," I'd be like, "I'm not watching that. The movie was shit." But if you get the all of that context before you get into the sequels, I think you're like, "Okay, I'm, I'm in already." Especially you know. if the Bad Batch and like Mandalorian and stuff do a great job setting up the sequels, like maybe there's something with Snoke and we see like his more origin and stuff like that. Yeah, that's how I feel too. The same reason that you recommend watching Clone Wars before you watch Revenge of the Sith because it does so much yeah. active work to make that movie yeah. better. Yeah. So I think if these if these shows could do that, there's no reason not to watch them before you watch yeah. Rise of Skywalker. If anything, anything you can do to make the movie better for you is a thing you should do. Yeah, yeah for sure. All right. I think we've figured out that conversation. Watch Solo and watch the sequels. That's what we've learned. Definitely don't watch Solo. Watch the sequels if you are desperate for Star Wars content. Yeah, I don't know. People people are haters, including Tristan. All right. Uh, <laughs> final thoughts on whether it's Bad Batch or this conversation before we end the stream and say goodbye to our one viewer. Yeah, I can't wait for more Bad Batch. I'm more into it than I thought I was going to be into it, whether it's for this crazy Omega theory that Omega is actually Snoke, because actually Palpatine, who's actually Baby Yoda <laughs> all along, but I'm into it, and don't watch Solo, don't watch Rise of Skywalker. I love Last Jedi, hopefully they make a sequel to it someday. <laughs> okay. Well, he has bad opinions. Hashtag Omega is Ray's mom. <laughs>